Welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and this is going to be a slightly different episode of I Love Basketball. The Lakers are about to start the second round of the playoffs against the Houston Rockets, so I hopped on the Harden My Take podcast with Jeremy Brenner and Michael Brown of The Dream Shake, which is our SB Nation Rockets sister site, to preview this series. Apologies in advance for the number of times you will have to hear Go Rockets. Other than that, I hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Harden My Take, the number one podcast on the dreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner here, and today we have a super special, amazing, awesome electric show for you, don't we, Michael Brown? Oh, uh, we do. Typically, our uh, episodes are all of those things, but I think today it is to the nth degree. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yes, and we have one of SB Nation's finest with us today. Uh, you can catch her work on the Silver Screen Roll, the Lakers blog. Go check them out during the series. And also for Clips Nation and a bunch of other sites in the California area, Miss Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm having a great time. Thank you all for having me on. Of course, we were super excited. We, as soon as the game went final, I sent a DM like, let's get, let's get someone on the podcast. And I was, I was crossing my fingers. I'm like, I really hope it's Sabrina. I really hope it's Sabrina. And I've, I've read your work for a while now. So it's, it's a finally good to meet you somewhat in, in a way. <laughs> it's very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So here we are, Rockets, Lakers, beginning tonight. September 4th, uh, it feels like a bajillion years since the playoff began, uh, at least for, for us, for Mike and I, because that series aged us terribly. Uh, but Sabrina, the Lakers have been off for a while. So what was your reaction on Wednesday night when Game 7 went final? It was official. The Rockets were going to play the Lakers. What was your instant reaction? So I'm not going to lie. I have been watching the standings since – probably February, uh, hoping that the Rockets would not be in the Lakers bracket for the playoffs. Uh, got so close, really so close to that not happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so my instant reaction, I would say, was disappointment that this is happening. But I will say I was a lot more impressed by the Rockets before the start of the series than I was at the end of Game 7. That's fair. Mike, what's yes. like – Obviously, we've been we've been thinking about this for a while now. But once it was, you know, Lakers, that's your next opponent. What was your instant reaction? Excitement. The the mat the there's a lot to this series. You know, I, I started thinking about it, and it's Russell Westbrook and James Harden versus LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But it's also Dwight Howard playing his old team. It's Mike D'Antoni coaching against a team he's coached against before the role players between Eric Gordon and Covington and Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, the list goes on. This is a very, very interesting series for a lot of reasons, but initially very excited for this series. Yeah. I feel like in a sense, these playoffs are like James Harden is Ebenezer Scrooge and he gets to go and play all of his old uh, co-star teammates to see if he can uh, outlast them in the playoffs. And we checked one off with Chris Paul in the first round. 
Now we get Dwight Howard and, uh, you know, maybe that'll be it for the Rockets. Patrick Beverly next. Like. Patrick Beverly. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's Pat, Lou Williams. Like those guys didn't end up on the best of terms, at least when Lou will left, um, at least when Lou will left for the, uh, for the Clippers. But let's just get right into it. I mean, you know, Sabrina, I, for, for us, we've been following these standings as well. And I think ever since the bubble began, we've been kind of hoping that it would be the Lakers, not necessarily because we think that the Rockets can beat the Lakers 100%, mm-hmm. but I think that the Rockets are a better matchup against the Lakers than the Clippers, considering those were the two options. The Rockets are better equipped to beat the Lakers just simply because of the contrast of styles that these two teams play. You really could not find two different styles. And that I think, that I think is what the series is eventually going to come down to. Will small ball prevail or will tall ball or just normal basketball prevail? And so, Sabrina, I'll, I'll ask you this right now. What, how will tall ball or the Lakers lineups – help the Lakers in the series. Right. So what's interesting is uh, everyone's been sort of saying that this is the kind of series where Anthony Davis has to excel because he is, you know, what, five or six inches taller than any other Rockets starter. Uh, he is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he should be able to make his way in the paint. Uh, I kind of tend to disagree with that. I feel like the Lakers sort of need to go, more vertical even than just giving the ball to Anthony Davis in the post. Uh, This is the kind of series where I feel like, um, like they can start big because they've had success against the Rockets in that configuration. Um, I think back to that game back in January, I want to say when Anthony Davis wasn't even playing um, and they managed to beat the Rockets. But I think it's the kind of thing where they need to like, just keep throwing lobs. You know, they need to take advantage of the vertical spacing that Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee provide. Um, You just want to play the game as above the rim as possible and, you know, take advantage of their rebounding, both on the offensive and the defensive glass. Uh, I don't want to see any like bounce passes into the post. I don't want to see like low entry passes. I just want to see the Lakers literally, taking advantage of their size on that plane of the court, you know, like keep the ball up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. weird because like, um, like you were saying, uh, I think Mark Jones was like super uh, aggressive about the way he was calling it at the end of that game. But like that the, the fate of analytics and like the fate of small ball were on the line if the Rockets somehow lost game seven, you know, to the thunder. But I do think like from an, completely objective perspective, this is the most interesting possible matchup we could have gotten in the Western Conference Mm -hmm. just because of the way these two teams approach things. You know, like Frank Vogel literally does not get to offense until he's thought about defense like six or seven times. And Mike D'Antoni is like exactly the opposite. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And the the James Harden, Dwight Howard thing, I had totally forgotten about. It's been so long. I can't believe that that's still a thing, (laughs) but yeah, granted that was that, Look, if 2020 feels like it was, it's been five years, Dwight Howard hasn't played for the Rockets in 30 years, it feels like. <laughs> um, but I think that this series is going to come down 
to coaching because like you mentioned the rockets are the rockets obviously are going to play small and i don't see them you know as i'm sorry mike we saw tyson chandler once in the thunder series even against the lakers i don't think we're going to see him uh you know but i think the rockets are going to double down on what they got mm-hmm. but it's going to be up to vogel and D'Antoni, in a sense, you know, are they going to double down on their, on their philosophy? Or are they going to play it as is and adjust as the games move on, as the series moves on? How would you expect these, how would you expect these philosophies and these adjustments to take place during the series? Well, truthfully, I'm not sure the Rockets have an adjustment to make, right? Like they have Tyson Chandler, but it's not like he's in, like a, a position where he's ready to go, right? Like, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Like, he's played for the Lakers, too. He's oh, a great veteran, that's but, like... fully no, no disrespect at all. Because <laughs> yeah. the, man, the man was called upon... He doesn't even come out in garbage time. He only comes out when the other team wants him to shoot a free throw. That's exactly. the only time he will put on a Rockets uniform. That is the only time. And he won't even make one, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a weird stat line that was, right? Like zero minutes and then 0 for 2 from free throws, was that? It was pretty it was much. weird situation. But yeah, I, it's, it's interesting that you put it that way because like the Lakers have moves to make, right? Like they can decide to go small. They can start Anthony Davis at center. They can use more of Markeith Morris or Jared Dudley and play like exclusively one big lineups with, you know, a, a power forward type, you know, playing next to Anthony Davis. Uh, Whereas the Rockets kind of just have to do what they do, right? Like this is their system. And uh, I don't think they get enough credit for how well they defend. That's actually the thing that worries me the most about the Rockets in this series, because uh, they put a lot of pressure on guys in the post and that double at Anthony Davis is something that he has not proven that he is capable of handing handling yet. So like, I I don't see why they would need to adjust frankly, because they have a system that already seems to give the Lakers fits. Um, But yeah, the, it seems to me that like the Lakers are the ones that would have to make moves as the series goes on. Whereas the Rockets, like this is what they do and they're going to keep doing it. And you just sort of live with it. Right. Mike, do you have anything to add with Christy, uh, for Sabrina? Um, no, I, the matchups are, are interesting. I do think a lot of what the Lakers are going to do is going to, there's really Sabrina you hit the nail right on the head there's there's really nothing for the Rockets to change it's we're gonna try and run we're gonna shoot a ton of threes and Vogel's gonna have to make a decision I think on how he wants to use JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard you know along with Davis do they just go with a monster lineup I think that's what the Rockets want it from the Lakers side do you think that they hold an advantage if they go with a massive lineup of something like, you know, LeBron James, Davis, and McGee, do you think that would give the Rockets fits or do you think that plays into what the Rockets want to do? I mean, I, I don't love that starting lineup against the Rockets. Like, I think it's, I think it's way too big. Um, but I also think that when you're the one seed, it's really hard to change what you do, uh, to change what got you to this point before the series even starts. You know, like I understand that there are teams that pose different matchup problems, but I mean, I don't think that Houston's offense is like demonstratively better than Portland's was heading into last series. You know, 
And the Lakers made defensive adjustments within their base personnel to figure out how to contain those two guards um, that still used like that same starting lineup, you know, and I think they were pretty successful with it. So even though we're probably going to get to a point where Anthony Davis plays more and more at five down the stretch of games, I just don't think it's realistic to expect uh, the Lakers to abandon their starting lineup, like before the start of the series or, you know, unless they lose by like a significant margin in game one, even, you know, in game two, it's just like, they won a lot of games, right? They won 49 games heading into the restart. Like this was a very successful team with this particular style. And it seems to me that they're just going to work on their coverages within that lineup rather than altogether changing it. How, how deep are the Lakers going to go? Are they going to play nine guys? Like I would expect nine guys, right? So there'd Mm -hmm. be, LeBron, Danny Green, it'd be KCP uh, mm-hmm. starting, and then be Anthony Davis and either Kuzma or Morris, and then the other comes off the bench. And then who, el- who else would come off the bench? Caruso and – I mean, I'm assuming JaVale's going to start. So he'll get, you know, like probably just like those spot minutes at the start of the first and third quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Lakers are going 10 deep in the first round uh, with – uh, that's that starting five, and then you've got Dwight, Kuzma, Markeith, uh, J.R. Smith, and Alex Caruso off the bench. I'm sorry, they were on 11. Wait, did I go 11? No, no, I said Kuzma, sorry. Sorry, yeah, just 10. <laughs> um, J.R. Smith is going to be gone. He's not going to be in the rotation. I can't see that happening. Um, but Rondo is back, and my inclination is that he's going to play, for better or worse, and uh, my instinct says for worse. Uh, so uh, they're going to play 10, I think, uh, the first person I would assume that gets excised from that rotation is Dwight, just because I don't see how he's going to be in a situation where he's just not getting called for offensive fouls all the time. Um, he doesn't really have a place in the series. Uh, maybe if they put him in the starting lineup and then just excise JaVale, although then you get in a situation where you've kind of ruined JaVale's confidence for the rest of the playoffs, assuming you get to that point. Um, but I think there's only going to be room for one center in the rotation, and then they'll probably go like nine beyond that. Yeah, so you mentioned Rondo coming back. He left the bubble early on. I want to say it was even before any games were played. Yeah, even before the games. Yeah, and then then he returned some point within the playoff series around then, and he's been – he's quarantined already. And so how much – and I don't believe he played at all during the Portland series, correct? Yeah, he has not taken the floor yet in Orlando. So how much of a risk is it to bring in a guy – like Rondo, who is not in playoff rhythm necessarily, to bring him in this deep into the playoffs. But in a way, because the Rockets play so small, a guy like Rondo is is needed for the Lakers, I would think. Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth on the need for Rondo because on the one hand, they don't really have a point guard who can run anything other than LeBron James, although Caruso has been better at that and he – got an opportunity to do more of that in the Portland series. Uh, So there are definitely times when you see the Lakers attempt to run offense when LeBron is not on the floor and it's just like, oh my God, something needs to change. But then there's the other end of the floor where Rondo is going to get hunted. Uh, He is just going to get mercilessly abused by every single Rockets player. And I am just terrified of that possibility. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to play. Uh, Frank Vogel just loves him. LeBron loves him. Anthony Davis loves him. I, I do believe there are situations where when LeBron is off the court, 
and Anthony Davis is still there, you got to have a guy like Rondo there just to avoid the Lakers becoming too stagnant. Um, but my hope is that he's not exceeding like a 10 minute mark because those defensive shortcomings are real. And for a guy who legitimately has not played a game of organized basketball since March 10th, uh, mm-hmm. I don't want the first minutes to come against, oh, there's James Harden. That's a problem. So, Mike, after everything that Sabrina has said so far about her insight with the Lakers, what name one thing that makes you feel good and name one thing that makes you feel a little worried. The Rockets should dominate the guard position in the series. Russell Westbrook and James Harden should feast on – what the Lakers put onto the court at the guard position. Now, my thoughts are is that Danny Green will end up on, um, you know, James Harden, obviously, to begin with. But if you're the Lakers, who do you put on Westbrook? You know, is, is it KCP? Is it, you know, do they put LeBron on either Harden or Westbrook to begin the series? I don't think so. Um, so I feel, the, I feel really, really good about the, the matchup with the guards um, against the Lakers. One thing that, that scares me is Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind right now. Um, and he's a matchup nightmare for any team, not just the Rockets. Um, but if you're the Rockets, you know, if, if they put JaVel McGee and, uh, and Anthony Davis and LeBron out there, they're going to struggle defensively, I think, against those three guys and containing those guys on the boards. Um, so... That's where I'm coming from uh, with respect to that question. You don't think LeBron is going to guard either one of Harden or Westbrook? Because yeah, I do. I'm, I think he's I'm with Michael. Harden. I don't think he's going to start on either of them. Yeah. I, if, if, you're the, if, really? you're, if you're the Lakers, you're not going to start off with that. You're going to keep that in your back pocket. You're going to see – if you're the Lakers, you're going to hope that James Harden's shooting struggles continue in game one and you can get away with keeping Danny Green or KCP on one of them. You know, Westbrook, too. They, they're only going to put LeBron on either one of those guys if they need to. They do not want LeBron to be expending that energy on the defensive end of the floor if he doesn't have to. So, Sabrina, who does get the assignments of Harden and Westbrook in this season? Yeah, I think, I think Michael's right. I think Danny Green is going to start on Harden. Uh, mm-hmm. I do believe the Lakers are comfortable with that matchup because – Harden's not like one of those speedier guards that gives Danny Green trouble. Um, obviously, he gives plenty of fits to every defender. I just think uh, Danny Green's build is a little more suited to guard someone like James Harden. And then they're going to put KCP on Westbrook because at least he has the speed to keep up with him. And that would put LeBron on Eric Gordon. Uh, I guess, yeah. I think that's a. I think that'd be a difficult matchup for Eric Gordon because. What we've seen in this series so far, it's Eric Gordon, I'll say this now, and he is the streakiest player I've ever seen oh, yeah. in the history of basketball. This man, I tell you, when, if, Eric, if you want to know if the Rockets will win or lose a game, look to how Eric Gordon plays. If Eric Gordon's playing well, the Rockets will win. If Eric Gordon is playing poorly, the Rockets will lose. There is no gray area. It is black. It is white. It is no in-between. You saw it in game seven. Eric Gordon had his best shooting night of the series. He led the team with 21 points. The Rockets win. Game six, he had, I want to say, like, nine points, and they lost. And it was – 
I tell you, when game six, he had – it was just – it's so bizarre. I, I can't tell you. But I think if LeBron is guarding Eric Gordon, that would concern me a little bit because I do think Eric Gordon is valuable to the Rockets in the series because you need him to be that creator when Harden and Westbrook are struggling. And, you know, maybe with the, you know – inferior guard play that the Lakers have, maybe that opens an advantage for Westbrook and Harden. But I am a little bit concerned with the the bigs and how they'll be able to maneuver their way into the paint. So that's so it's a bit interesting. It, it's there's so many variables in this series. And I think that's what makes this series so interesting is, you know, how the how are the Lakers going to take their advantages that can come from a mismatch? How are the Rockets going to be able to take advantage of their mismatches? And I think the team that that uses the most to their advantage is going to win this series. And it could be we could see I could see a game where the Lakers win by twenty, and then the next night the Rockets win by twenty. It really they are so far on the spectrum that it, it's. This series is so unpredictable. I can't imagine uh, trying to – like, I could imagine – like, none of the outcomes would surprise me, honestly. Yeah, the variance is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, – Just to check real quick. So, Eric Gordon's going to stay in the starting lineup. They're not going to put House back in? Eric Gordon started every game in the first-round series, and that was after okay. the – that was after he was injured for majority of the uh, pre-playoff games. So. Gotcha. Eric Gordon is starting, and okay. it's something that Mike and I have uh, questioned a lot, uh, not just this season, but in uh, his entire Rockets career. It's, it's, been, it's been like a limbo effect. Like, he's been in, and then he's been out, and then he's been in, and he's been out. But Mike D'Antoni is a guy that's coaching for his job right now, and he trusts Eric Gordon because he's been with Eric Gordon longer than majority of people that are in that position. Okay. So I think that's why he is leaning towards him at this point in the season. Gotcha. So Sabrina, I feel like we have put you in the hot seat and it is time to reverse the fortunes, return the favor. Mike and I are in the hot seat. We've, uh, we've made it a love seat. So there's room for the both of us now. So we're in the hot seat now. Any questions you have, uh, you have the floor. Got it. So should I be concerned that the Rockets did not look good against the Thunder, or is that just a quirk of their three-point guard lineup just presenting a different challenge than most other teams? Yeah, Mike, why don't you take that one? Yeah, I I think this was a a really emotionally charged series for the Rockets. The Rockets Mm -hmm. got pushed to the edge by a guy in Chris Paul that was out for revenge. You know, mm-hmm. and I think in game seven, they, they dared Dort to beat him. And he came up with, with a career night. And the Rockets just found a way to win. And I think right now, their biggest emphasis is on just win the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Harden only took, uh, I believe it was 15 shots, you know, in, in game seven. Um, so... I wouldn't. I would be nervous that the Rockets were able to come out of that series 
just to begin with. So I wouldn't put too much stock into their performance in game seven because they showed throughout the series that they can get the three ball going at any time. And their defense, they're playing some of the best defense of any team left in the bubble. Yeah, the Harden went 4-15 in game seven, um, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised how the national narrative was today with Harden. I was expecting a little bit more criticism for him. Um, but also, you know, I think I was kind of just so tunnel vision on the Rockets game with game seven and all. Mm-hmm. that I completely, like, missed – I didn't miss it, but I missed the impact of the Jimmy Butler shot at the end of the Bucks heat game, which oh, I yes. think is what – Giannis took a lot of the heat off of Harden, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, which, I mean, the fact that we had four games on Tuesday and Wednesday all decided by two points or less, phenomenal. And I'm curious to see how it's going to go uh, in this series – but I would say that the, Rock, the Rockets are just so streaky. Mm-hmm. But the thing with the Rockets, though, they have been in every single game that they've played. They're not going to lose a game by a large margin. They, and we saw this even last year, where every game against the Warriors in the mm-hmm. second round series they lost was decided by six points or less. Right. And in this series as well, the only game they lost by more than – four points was the overtime game three where they Mm -hmm. just completely disintegrated after James Harden fouled out. So they are going to play tough every night and it's either going to lead to a Rockets win or a real close loss. So uh, they're going to start with Covington on Davis, I assume, and then PJ Tucker on LeBron. I'm I'm thinking it's the opposite. Okay. But it wouldn't surprise me because Covington, because Covington, I think, I think that matchup works better for the Rockets, but also I think that LeBron is faster than uh, Tucker. So, and I I feel like the speeds are better with Covington on LeBron and, um, and Tucker on Anthony Davis. When I play 2K, and 2K21 coming out tonight, so I'm, that's what I'm doing after this. But um, I always, every time I play the Lakers, I always put Covington on LeBron and P.J. Tucker on, on Anthony Davis. So that's what I would do if I'm Mike D'Antoni, but I'm also not Mike D'Antoni. Maybe Michael Brown can answer that question a little bit better than I can. I think, the, I think it's not necessarily who's going to be on which guy because the Rockets switch so much. True. And that's one of the – the main points of when they went small is, okay, if you have a lineup of Harden, Westbrook, Gordon, Tucker, and Covington, you're going to see all of those guys switch so much on, there's going to be times where Harden ends up on Davis or Gordon ends up on LeBron. Um, I think Covington's probably the best matchup for Anthony Davis just because of his length. Mm -hmm. Uh, And PJ Tucker is a little bit stockier and it's harder to get around him compared to Covington. So I think LeBron is probably best guarded by PJ Tucker. Um, But I think they switch so much that you're going to see all of the guys end up on, on, you know, everybody in the starting lineup for the Lakers. To add on to that a little bit, I think what's going to happen is the rocket, other than Danny green 
And the thing is, Danny Green has not been shooting the three-point uh, – has not been shooting three-pointers really well in the bubble. So I think that the Rockets are – you're going to see all of them inside of the three-point line, mm-hmm. and you're going to look at help side defense. And that's a big reason why the Rockets' defense is right now number one in, in the bubble. And I don't think – that was true a couple days ago. I'm not sure if that's changed recently, but uh, since then, you know, they've held Thunder to – average of 103 points, which is pretty impressive um, in the last two games. So I would think that, you know, you're going to see a lot of help side defense too, especially with Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis is, you know, like you mentioned, uh, a skyscraper and he's like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's like Godzilla compared to the Rockets, you know, but so, I, so I think you could see a lot of, if, if they, if you see him post up on him, the Rockets might be able to, bring in that help side defense and it's going to come down to Anthony Davis to either make the bucket in time before the help side defense comes or find the open man on the perimeter. Yeah. My gut tells me that Anthony Davis posting up is not an optimal outcome for a Lakers possession. Uh, some like high screens that get him a favorable switch are probably a better idea, but uh, I just, I'm terrified of the thought of like Covington coming in on health defense and just stripping the ball away from him time after time. So that, that's not a situation I like very much. Um, one more thing. Uh, does Austin Rivers just, like, not like playing in front of his dad? <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't think Mike D'Antoni likes playing Austin Rivers in front of his dad. Because <laughs> um, what we've seen in the last few games, ever since the, uh, ever since the strike, mm-hmm. um, the Rockets have crunched their rotation a little bit. And that's because Russell Westbrook, uh, came back uh, in game five. So mm-hmm. in the first four games, you didn't see Russell Westbrook, which opened up minutes for Austin Rivers. So in game four, the last game without, um, like even in game four against the Thunder, the last game before Westbrook came back, Rivers only played 15 minutes. So I wouldn't think Austin Rivers is going to play that much of a role in this series, mm-hmm. to be fair. Although Mike is a big advocate for him, and maybe he'll explain why uh, he should be playing this series. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his because of his lateral quickness. He's, the, yeah. he's one of the guys for the Rockets that, even in Game 7, he played some pretty good defense on Schroeder. Um, and his ability to get to the bucket is it's pretty solid. And I'm just – I'm a fan of his. I like his game a lot. Jeremy's right. I don't know how he fits into this series just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair to the Rockets rotation and to be fair to D'Antoni, the fact that the Rockets had to play the last series mostly without Russell Westbrook and he had to adjust that rotation, it's not easy, especially in Orlando where you're playing every other day. Right. Um, I think it was really big, though, that Westbrook was able to get in the last couple games against Oklahoma City because I think he got a lot of the cobwebs out. I think he's now ready you're going to see a different Russell Westbrook against the Lakers than you did against the Thunder. And for the Rockets, that is fantastic news. Yeah, so is, is Macklemore just gone from the rotation? That's, that's Jeremy's guy. That's Jeremy's guy. <laughs> that is my guy. I, I didn't am, mean to push any buttons. <laughs> I am the president of the Benny Mac fan club. But, you know, it's interesting because for a team that shoots as many threes as the Rockets do – you would expect the team's best three-point shooter to play a little bit more or, you know, at all. Um, <laughs> but 
in game six, he played like four minutes, which, you know, that doesn't count in my book. He didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't score. And he was a DNP CD in game seven. Um, I think part of it, honestly, is a ploy to uh, get his free agency uh, stock to go down a little bit so the Rockets can count <laughs> for a discount. That's what they did with Daniel House last year, and it worked out for them. Uh, well, that's a disaster. He a three-year, three $11 million contract, and that was a steal. Um, so, I don't know. Ben, ben McLemore, I, I'm curious because I think that what we see from D'Antoni is that his rotation – like, he played at one point um, eight guys. I think that was the most he played in the game – or in game five mm-hmm. against the Thunder. Uh, granted, it was a blowout. Um, right. But he played – like, nine guys played in the first quarter. So, I would expect uh, – even Tyson Chandler played that game. That was the game Tyson Chandler played. But um, nine guys played the first quarter. Uh, so there was an idea that that was going to get into the system, but also Westbrook was on a minutes restriction. So if I had to guess what the rotation is going to look like, Westbrook and Harden will start in the backcourt. Eric Gordon will be starting alongside uh, Tucker on the wing and then Covington at center, but the Rockets don't have a center. That's not, uh, right, right. It's not a word that exists in their vocabulary. And then, uh, coming off the bench, Jeff Green will get the most minutes off the bench. Uh, Daniel House will also get a significant amount of minutes. And then maybe Austin Rivers, if, uh, you know, if he feels like it. If if uh, Doc Rivers is uh, not in the building, maybe he'll play a little bit. <laughs> it might be harder for Doc to attend all the games with the Clippers, like, actually in the middle of their own series. I think that's so sweet. Like, aw, like, so cute. <laughs> I think one thing with Ben McLemore is he's such a liability defensively for this team mm-hmm. that in the last series, when the Thunder went with Schroeder, Paul, and Shea Gillis-Alexander, they just would try and find McLemore and just expose him. I do think McLemore does get more minutes in this series if Rajon Rondo plays significant minutes. And guys, because Rondo's not really a threat to – beat you offensively, it's probably a little bit easier for the Rockets to hide McLemore defensively. So mm-hmm. I do think McLemore will get more minutes this series, especially if they're playing a guy uh, they, I mean, the Lakers play a guy like Deion Waiters. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask your opinion on that. Or somebody <laughs> like Jared Dudley. Somebody that McLemore can at least stay with defensively. Um, because also, the Rockets switch everything. Yeah. The, Rock, the Rockets switch everything defensively, and you're not going to change that because Ben McLemore's on the floor. So that's another reason why, and, and that is true. Ben McLemore is probably, although he is the best three-point shooter, he is by far the uh, not as talented of a defender as everyone else is. I don't want to say the worst defender, because <laughs> and I can't do that to my boy, but... Yeah, that, that's why that's why you haven't seen a lot of Ben McLemore in. Gotcha. Um, but also, maybe maybe the Rockets will take a shot with him because they want to expose the three point advantage that the Rockets have in this series. Yeah, and I mean that that's kind of the same reason why the Lakers aren't playing Deion Waiters is because Frank just does not trust him one iota defensively, and if you're not defending well, then you're just not getting on the court for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So I I am interested to see like if the Lakers just increase their three-point volume at all in this series because I don't think that they necessarily need to change stylistically that much, but 
the math is just so much to overcome if Houston's taking 53s and the Lakers are taking 30. Well, what was the three-point volume like in the first series? Uh, it's a good question. Like, they went – I'm looking at – I'm looking – I just, like, glanced at the first game. I'm looking at game four, mm-hmm. 17 of 39. I mean, that was a 56% from the floor game, which is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, game four was fairly special. That was the one on Mamba Day. Yeah. The Lakers just looked a little extra. Uh, but uh, – Maybe game three. Yeah, I – they're still not a very high volume team, like 35 threes per game. Like that's, that's, I don't think that's enough if the Rockets are going to take 50, but it also depends on how you do with the turnover battle and how you do with the rebound battle. Like the problem in the seeding games when they play the Rockets, they're just giving the ball away left and right. And that's just untenable. Although I don't take away too much from the seeding game because Westbrook wasn't playing and LeBron wasn't playing. So it's hard to gauge too much when the Lakers like literally did not have a point guard. I, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Rockets shoot 63s in at least three of the first four games. 60, wow. Yeah, because that's gonna, that is their, their path to victory in the series, I think, is layups and threes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get to the bucket as much as possible to try and get McGee or Davis into some early foul trouble. And if mm-hmm. you look at the – you know, if, if the Lakers start panicking and start shooting threes thus far in the first series, I mean, who's really a, a true threat from the three-point line for the Lakers? You know, LeBron shooting 46%. Danny Green's down to, what, 35%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny or Anthony Davis is at 39%. But guys like Kyle Kuzma shooting 30% from three. You got to hope that you got to make the Lakers prove they're going to beat you from the three-point line consistently with somebody not named LeBron James. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the strategy that the Rockets need to pursue. Yeah. yeah. And one of, one of the games that stands out for me in terms of the Rockets' three-point volume comes from the seeding games, but th- it does bring relevancy in the series. And that, that's the, that was the Bucks game. It was okay. the second game that the Rockets played in the bubble. The Rockets won uh, against the Bucks, and they had – I, I want to say, how many threes did they shoot, Mike? I'm looking it up now, but do you know it off the top of your head? Uh, I think it was like 57. Or, yeah, how about 61? Oh, dear. So, oh. yeah, 61, oh. but they made 21 of them. And P.J. Tucker had 12 three-point attempts because – Were they all from the right corner? Wide open in the corner, yeah. So, Tucker was left wide open in the corner. Jeff Green had eight three-point attempts in that game as well. So – there, that was the issue that the Bucks had in that game is that they let they let PJ and they let Uncle Jeff just take shots in in the corner because you would either have to drive it would be either Westbrook or Harden have to drive mm-hmm. or they would kick out and it'd be wide open because the the center and in most cases it'd be Brook Lopez he would come in to help and would leave him wide open and I I would think that if for instance, JaVale McGee were in the game, that could be a potential scenario that pops up again where Harden or Westbrook drive to the drive to the rim and JaVale McGee comes and helps and they kick it out to Tucker or Green open in the corner. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have had like a, a fairly decent three-point defense all season despite playing big. Um, but obviously that <laughs> it's Houston just sort of takes like three point offense to a whole different level. But uh, 
I think the Lakers will be more concerned with protecting the basket because, like you said, like the, the point of space on the floor is just to be able to open the lane for Harden and Russ to do their thing, right? Um, and even like Austin Rivers is a good driver, like you said, with his lateral quickness and um, – Jeff Green is a good driver. Like, they're all good at getting into the paint. And I think that Vogel is going to be especially concerned with protecting that area and just sort of saying, like, you know, if Houston's going to make 23s, then, like, they're going to make 23s. Right. And the thing is, it's not the fact that the Rockets are a good three-point shooting team. Just high volume. <laughs> yeah, it's just volume. They're, they're pretty average when it comes to three-point shooting, and they're probably actually below average. Uh, because they, they, Because of the volume, they shoot about, like, 33%. But – that's that's the difference. Do you want to take a shot uh, that is made about nine, 80% of the time in a layup or a 33% shot that's wide open? So and, and, you do, and you do want to defend the layup because it's a higher percentage shot. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole math argument that the Rockets have made. Your best efficiency shots are a layup, a free throw, and a three-point shot right at the perimeter, not – one from Steph Curry range, Damian Lillard range, not, not like that, because that's <laughs> not closest to the basket. But where P.J. Tucker stands, that is the one of the most efficient shots on the floor. And that is what the Rockets do. And it's a lot of the reason why the Rockets win basketball games is because they take that and apply it on the court. And, you know, it's – people may not like it. Like I was looking over at um, – I was looking over at Silver Screen Roll earlier today, and I was like, uh, people were like already, uh, already just bashing the Rockets and their <laughs> and their style and everything, and and I was like, yeah, I, I get it, but I mean, it, it they're just doing what they're trying to do to win basketball games, and uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the the offensive uh, Houston's offense is not as concerning to me as their defense because, like you guys said, uh, those first few games of the OKC series, they were defending at a level that I did not think they were capable of sustaining for that long. Um, when they're locked in on their switches and they're getting back in transition, which I know can be a bugaboo for like James and Russ. Uh, When they're doing all those things, like I worry heavily about the Lakers ability to score against this defense. Like that's what concerns me more than their ability to stop the Rockets. Yeah. To see the team in the first half of the bubble, when they played the Mavericks, granted the Mavericks are really good offense, but they gave up 85 points in the first half. First half, Sabrina, 85 points. And to see them go from that to the number one defense in the league is they, that's definitely been the point of emphasis for the team in the bubble is more about how to strengthen the defense versus how to uh, magnify the offense. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting. I'm just, uh, I'm fascinated by the contrast, you know, I think it's a far more compelling series than it would have been had the Lakers played the Thunder, but I do think the Rockets are also a significantly better team. So despite the fact that it took them seven games to beat the Thunder. So. Right. So uh, I'm going to take some questions from Twitter. I posted to uh, the DreamShake Twitter account at DreamShake SBN to get some uh, follower questions. So I'm just going to read uh, a couple here that I believe are worth contributing to the conversation. So this one is from at Phoenix Ashes on Twitter, Alex Swain. And he asks, What's the biggest non-LeBron reason the Lakers win this series as different from Houston going cold or something like that and losing it? So, Sabrina, I guess that you are the person that is best to answer this question. 
Well, at, at the risk of being like super predictable, it's because Anthony Davis just goes ape, right? Like yeah. uh, that he proves unguardable because he uses his length to just finish over the Houston defenders and he's a menace defensively and he is simultaneously able to protect the paint and close out on shooters. Uh, basically all of those unicorn things you talk about. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if, if Anthony Davis is what he was against Portland, uh, that's like the non-LeBron reason to worry about the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And this one comes from at Norman Tanaka, and he asks, how do you think the non-P.J. Uh, Tucker defenders, Robert Covington, Daniel House, James Harden, fare against Anthony Davis and LeBron? And I guess, Michael Brown, uh, you're up, bud. You can't stop a LeBron James. You have to do your best to con- control the situation. You have to say, look, you know, you can't get right up against LeBron. That, you can't defend him like that. You almost have to say, look, we're going to give you some, some, you know, some distance at the three-point line. Prove you can beat us from the three-point line. Because if you get right up on him, he's just going to go right around you and he's going to dominate at the rim. Um, so for Daniel House and Tucker and – in uh, Covington and all these guys, they got to stay out of foul trouble. That's the biggest thing. Cause if one of these guys gets into foul trouble, the Rockets are in real trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Especially it's about Covington, I would say, because yeah. right. what we've seen in the last couple of games with Robert Covington is he has been, he, he's been arguably the most important player outside of Harden and Westbrook. I would say even, even over Eric Gordon and he's played his best basketball as a rocket in these past couple of games, he had 21 points in the game seven win in game five dude went bananas from the three point line and defensively as well. I remember there was uh, in game seven specifically, there was that block on, I believe it was Lou Dort uh, where he was in foul trouble. He had like four thousand. Oh yeah. When Dort went for the dunk. Right. And, and Covington met him at the rim. That's two points. The game ended in a two point, loss for the thunder that shot that block saved the rocket season yeah so covington is i can't tell you how important covington is to this team and it's he's gonna be super important so this kind of segues into this next question uh from at westbrook bella zero how many minutes does robert covington play in this series and mike i guess you're up again it's gonna have to be (laughs) what's the the, the answer is it, he's going to play as many minutes as we need him to in the games. Yeah. Minutes is not uh, a stretch for him. Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the sweet spot is somewhere between 35 and 40 mm-hmm. um, is where I think he'll end up. Yeah. So I guess I, I'm going to piggyback off of this question here um, with this question for Sabrina, I'll, I'll create this one. How much, how many minutes do you expect Anthony Davis to play? I think Anthony Davis is going to need to play 40 plus minutes in this series. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm leaning to like 42, mm-hmm. uh, which <laughs> seems aggressive, great. but at the same time, like this is the second round of the playoffs. Like we only have good teams left, you know, like it's, it's time to get going. Uh, and I, I just, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be like 40-plus minutes for Anthony Davis. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I guess this is now a uh, perfect time as ever to come up with our predictions for the series. Now, 
as we mentioned before, Sabrina, this series has more variants probably than ever any series we've ever seen in our basketball lives. <laughs> but we got to do it for the listeners. So uh, our guests first, Sabrina, your prediction for the series is? My prediction for this series is Lakers in six. Lakers in six. Yes. Any reason behind that? I think that uh, Harden is going to have one game that he single-handedly wins for Houston. And I think there's just going to be one game where the Lakers offense is not quite good enough to get the job done, but otherwise they will win the other four. All right. Mike, collective boo her from <laughs> Red Nation. No, 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 no. She's too nice. I can't boo her. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, she's um, really nice. So, but – yeah, think about it. A lot of a lot of Red Nation people. The the bougie in your head is from Red Nation. But Mike, your next brother, Rockets and six. Explain your reasons for this guard play. I said it. I said it at the beginning of the bubble that the optimal uh, matchup for the Rockets is the Lakers, and even with the addition of Rondo, if the Rockets can play at the level that they're capable of as it pertains to Gordon and Westbrook and Harden. I don't think the Lakers can score enough points consistently with the Rockets. And I think that they have just enough bodies in green and house and Tucker and Covington to throw at LeBron and throw at uh, LeBron James. And I, on a neutral court, Best of seven, I got the Rockets in six. If there was home court advantage, I would take the Lakers in seven. Uh, but there's not. And I think the I think actually the 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 layoff that the, the Lakers haven't played in, what, five days, I think is going to hurt them the first couple games. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rockets got out to a 2 nothing lead. And then the Lakers found their, their, their win and, you know, reeled off a couple wins. But I love the Rockets in this series. I'm taking them in six games. Mm-hmm. Rockets going up to nothing to me is even more surprising than Rockets in six. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, what, what that is, I mean, the Lakers haven't played in nearly a week. Since Saturday, the Rockets yes. have played, I want to say, they played twice since the Lakers last played. So I think what will be interesting to see is early in the series, will this layoff hurt the Lakers? Because even though they've only played once, they haven't played since Saturday – that's they only played one game. Then they had that three day layoff with the strike. Mm-hmm. They haven't played one game since uh, last Monday, yep. August twenty uh, fourth. August twenty fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So that that could come into play early in the series, but later on in the series, you could see the Rockets start to get gassed, and you could start to see the uh, the Lakers come into their own. But I'm going to break this tie. Um, the subjective side of me, the, the fan, the fan in me says Rockets and six, because that's what I want to see, but that's what I want to see with a re- a little bit of realism in there. But what I think will, will happen, I'm sorry, Red Nation, I'm going to have to go Lakers and seven. And I really honestly think that the reason the Rockets would lose this series is LeBron James the guy is on a different level than everyone else. And I think that no two games in the series are going to be the same. I think there's going to be a game where the Rockets win simply because they make a ton of threes. 
I think there's going to be one game in the series where the Lakers win because they simply just dominate on the boards. I think there's going to be one game in the series where the Rockets win because the because Westbrook and Harden go off. Uh, and then similarly on the other side where LeBron and AD go off. But the thing with this Lakers team and the thing with LeBron in his whole career is he never goes away easily. When you – like the hardest thing to do is to eliminate LeBron James from the playoffs. It's one of the – like the only teams that have really been able to do it are the Kawhi Spurs and the uh, KD Warriors. Like, that's really – and I guess just the Warriors in general, but uh, those KD Warriors teams are on a different level. But to me, I think that it's going to come down to a similar series like we had with OKC. I think it's just going to be super, super tight. And look, if the Rockets can get to game seven – I will be impressed. I think that this, this podcast we've seen, we've highlighted a lot of the negatives that each team has. Uh, we haven't focused a lot on the positives because we're just trying to, we're trying to suss each other out. We're trying to find out ways in which our team, whether it be Sabrina's Lakers or Mike and my uh, Rockets, trying to figure out how we can beat the other team. And we haven't really focused on a lot of everything else, but to me, this is a really tight series. It's going to come down – like, the, these two teams are really evenly matched. It's going to come down to which team can use their style of basketball and use it to their advantage. That's the team that's going to come out of the series, the winner. So, I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship. Thank you so much to Sabrina Merchant from SB Nation and Silver Screen and Roll please drop your Twitter handle down below so that the listeners can follow you. I'm at Sabrina JM on Twitter. That's Sabrina with two E's. Yes. And go follow uh, Lakers SBN on Twitter and silverscreenroll.com for everything Lakers uh, at SBNation.com throughout this series. And Mr. Michael Brown, my co-pilot, your turn, bud. Uh, You can follow me at UHBigRed. Hat guy, make sure to send us tweets using the hashtag Slim Jim and the Pocket Rockets. Absolutely. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. We'll be back tomorrow night with our Game 1 recap episode. If you don't want to miss a single episode, be sure to subscribe and download to the Harden My Take podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also follow the Dreamshake on Twitter at DreamshakeSBN. Give us a like on Facebook if you're over there and to not miss a single bit of our coverage, head to thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. You won't want to miss a single drop of coverage during this Lakers series. We are going to have a wonderful series. I'm really excited about it. More basketball, more Harden might take, more Rockets basketball. Absolutely can't wait. Special thanks to Sabrina again for coming on to the show. And until next time, go Rockets.